everyone has an authentic and interesting story that we can all relate to. On Authentic Conversations with Stock and Hixie, our podcast gives these stories the space to be heard. Along the way, we will laugh, learn, and appreciate this interesting and crazy journey called life. Now, here are Stock and Hixie for the most authentic conversation you will hear today. Authentic Conversations with Stock and Hixie is brought to you by AntiguaThreads.com. Welcome back to Authentic uh, Conversations with Stock and Hixie. Uh, here today, hey, Stock, um, when this episode airs, mm-hmm. gets dropped, sorry, that's the correct language, uh, we will be on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. Apple Podcasts. Yes. So awesome. we, we've got a lot of people... Uh, uh, giving us a hard time about not being on Apple, so we took care of it. We have millions giving us a hard time about millions. not being on Apple, and I think we hopefully cross fingers crossed. My fingers are crossed right now that we've got the sound issues because it caught caught a lot of heat about that. We did, we did, but uh, you have been diligent in making sure that our studio head is has got everything covered, and it looks like the uh, motherboard here is working well, and I think the sound <laughs> issues are behind us. We, we we like all types of feedback. We seem to get a lot of <laughs> negative feedback, but we like all top types of feedback. Um, so we ask you to please follow us, like us. It, you know, even if you don't listen to the thing, just follow us, please. <laughs> Stockhausen's been all over me about our numbers, and and we he's a data guy, and we got to pump the numbers up. So please do whatever you can. And also we're on Instagram. It's under Tom Hicks seven six eight. Don't ask me why. That's the the handle or whatever you call it, but that's what it is. And originally on Spotify, right? And on Spotify, of course. Of yep, course. yep. So, folks, our, our guest today uh, was uh, received a Jefferson Scholarship. Um, he's from Texas, but received a Jefferson Scholarship to attend the University of Virginia, a very prestigious scholarship. He graduated uh, with a history degree. He's got a master's degree and a Ph.D., from the University of Texas at Austin. Since 2014, he has been the headmaster at the Woodbury Forest School in Orange, Virginia. For those of you who don't know, uh, Woodbury is a prestigious all-boys school boarding school, grades 9 to 12, founded in 1889. Stock. Fabulous school. Fab- okay. Fabulous campus. Unbelievable. Gorgeous campus. And he's only the ninth headmaster. Wow. Can you believe that? Now you do the, you're a math guy. You figure that ma- not, not right this second, just <laughs> later you figure it out. Right now. I can't think of another person that I know that I, a person that I know personally. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, who is better suited to lead young men than our guest. Uh, besides his obvious brain power, his moral compass has always been true and he is guided by his faith. And importantly, mm-hmm. He's a fraternity brother of mine. <laughs> oh my! Oh Can my. you believe that, Doc? I I think you're just lucky. I think you're really lucky, Tommy. <laughs> he and I, this guest and I, have talked about this a few times, and I'm not sure what he was thinking when he ch- we chose the Zeta Psi House. Um, I think we might have drugged him during. Rush. <laughs> I, I, I'm not I'm not positive, um, but folks, we have Dr. Byron Holsey with us today, and Byron, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Oh, you're welcome. I'm delighted to be here. This is going to be fun. Absolutely. Well, this it's great. I am excited to uh, find out about you. And, uh, you know, he's a published author as well. I guess we can get into that. And he's also been headmaster or head of another school, I believe. But start the story for us. Where are you from? You're from Texas, right? 
I am. I was born in a little town in Northwest Texas called Pampa. Uh, my dad uh, has died, but he was an Episcopal priest. And so we moved around quite a bit when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, I lived my first five years in Pampa, then moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and lived there for five years until I was 10, and then back to Texas. I was in Midland, and then my dad was elected bishop of the Diocese of Northwest Texas. And we moved to the diocesan seat in Lubbock, where Texas Tech is. And so I lived in Lubbock for a few years before going to Woodbury in 1983 myself. And was it, were you an only child or did you have I have an older sister. She's six and a half years older than I. And uh, just the two, two of us, though. How, how did you get to Woodbury from Lubbock? You know, I my... I don't mean physically. No, how did I get interested in yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I was in ninth grade, I asked my parents uh, if I could... Uh, look at going away to school. Uh, my dad was delighted. Um, I think he <laughs> thought that I was finally perhaps maybe going to amount to something. My mother was devastated mm -hmm. at the idea of me leaving home, um, but they were both open to me looking. And I, I, I it was natural for me to look at, at, um, at Virginia because my dad went to Washington and Lee yeah. and my mother went to Mary Baldwin. Okay. Got it. And my dad went to seminary in Alexandria, right across the street from Episcopal mm -hmm. High School. And so I looked at Episcopal High School at VES in Lynchburg. Mm -hmm. And because both schools kind of were in the world of Woodbury Forest, Woodbury was in their world, I, I looked at Woodbury too. And, and ended up really just applying to Woodbury. It, it fit me better. I felt more at home there. Um, enjoyed, I enjoyed everything about it from the time I stepped on campus as, as a prospective kid till, till now, it's just been a, a really wonderful place for me and my, and my, my kind of growing up and my, uh, learning how to handle myself and, and, um, and be challenged and to make good friends and, um, be part of something that's bigger than I am. Wow. And were you, and were you a prefect at Woodbury? I was. And explain to our listeners what a prefect is. Yeah, so a prefect at Woodbury uh, has a, a dual role. Um, prefects are responsible for dormitories, like an RA would be mm -hmm. responsible for a dorm in college. Um, and then prefects are also the, the stewards of the honor system. Okay. So they're responsible for educating new boys into the world of, of living in, in the community of trust. Mm -hmm. And then they're also responsible for... Um, um, adjudicating a, a, an honor trial that might come before them if there is um, an alleged violation. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a pretty, it's a really really significant weighty responsibility. Um, but I definitely learned a lot through that. And when you were graduating and applying to colleges, were you sure was Virginia your your first choice, or was it where you wanted to go, or did you look other places, or? Yeah, Tom, Tom referenced the fact that I'm a, a Jefferson scholar. I became much more interested in Virginia when that, that was a possibility. Um, I had applied to go home, back home to Texas at the mm -hmm. University of Texas, and I was also open to like a place like Vanderbilt in Nashville. Um, I didn't look a, a ton. It was a great frustration to my parents that I had a pretty narrow, small mm -hmm. list. Mm -hmm. um, I know my dad was especially frustrated that I had no interest in going to WNL. It was just then at that very moment becoming co-ed mm -hmm. and I, it felt a lot, it felt too similar to, to Woodbury mm -hmm. to me. Um, but UVA was great. I mean, uh, the Jefferson Scholar was, scholarship was fantastic, but, but more than that, it was just a great place for, for me to be. And it was, 
you know, reasonably close to Woodbury. So it, it has become, Central Virginia has become my home and, and, and has been for a long, long time now. Did you have a bunch of guys in your class go to UVA? Yeah, there were about five or six of us. Yeah. Um, not a ton, but but a, a number. And um, There always is, right? There always is. Uh, you know, Woodbury boys go there. They go to, seem to go to UNC Chapel Hill quite a bit. Um, that Davidson, WNL, Sewanee, uh, those types of schools. So back in the day, it's changed a little bit yep. now, but back in the day I went to Hampton, Sydney. Uh-huh. And we always had a huge influx of the Woodbury guys right there and they were usually yeah they were good for four years sometimes they were good for two and they said man this is just like Woodbury I gotta make a switch yeah 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 orange to Farmville yeah (laughs) Farm Vegas Farm Vegas yeah we still have a a few who go and um, they generally have great experiences good Uh, we've had two recent graduates of of, uh, Woodbury who've been uh, like the student body president there at Hampton Sydney yeah that's great it's it's been terrific every person that I've known and this is true. Every yeah. person that I've known, and as you know, in our fraternity, we had a bunch of Woodbury yeah. graduates. Um, had amazing study skills. Yeah. Um, and, and just knew how to work hard academically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I had to teach them some lessons about social studies, <laughs> but they uh, they and they tried to teach me about academics, but I wasn't listening. But um, but they really did. Their their study habits. They they came in well prepared for college. Yeah, that, that that remains the case. Um, I mean, a, a boy who goes to Woodbury has got to learn how to be independent, mm-hmm. and he's got to learn how to handle his business. And um, it's it's the great challenge of going to a boarding school, but it's it's also the the great return when when you've graduated. You know, you 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 have earned confidence, mm-hmm. and um, I think that earned confidence gives. Uh, many Woodbury graduates and boarding school graduates of any kind, just a, a little bit more um, energy for the next step. What um, a great phrase, earned confidence. I love that. Have, is have, is this something you've used before? Yeah, I think about it a lot because, uh, you know, uh, I feel like my my parents were similar to a lot of parents that I knew at the time and, and still know now, and we've all wanted our our children to know that they're cared for and that they're loved and that they're, you know, they're special. Mm -hmm. Um, my parents certainly tried to, um, make me feel that way when I was with them. But the reality is that before I went to Woodbury, I didn't have much confidence because no one else really looked at me Mm -hmm. as worthy of a lot of investment. Mm -hmm. And when I got to Woodbury, that just changed completely. You know, I've, I've never before been, um, challenged to be significantly better than I was by people that I wanted to, wanted to look up to mm-hmm. and, and wanted to, uh, be like, and that was true for older boys at Woodbury when I looked at how they, how they projected themselves. And it was definitely true for my teachers and coaches. And I think that the, the process of, of learning how to take responsibility for myself, and this is still the case at Woodbury, gives you the kind of earned confidence that um, that I think is, is invaluable. And, and I want to say one other thing. I know I'm supposed to be asking questions here, but I want to say just something. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Tommy. Yeah, he, he does this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> something that I've noticed that yeah. I really respect about the Woodbury guys. Um, I have a lot of friends that went to Woodbury and some of them were athletes. Uh, some of them were really academic. Some of them were into the arts. 
And it seems to me, I don't know if it's because they're at boarding school, because they're away from home, but all of the boys in each class seem to really come together and respect the differences that each of them have more so than I might see in a regular high school, meaning, you know, I don't want to, to be too typecast, but the jocks yeah. and the guys that are in or to the arts, yeah. there's a respect both yeah. ways. And I've really, really enjoyed seeing that, uh, from the young men that go to Woodbury. Yeah. I, I think that's still the case. I mean, from my perspective, the Woodbury culture, uh, it, it's, it's driven by the fact that it's all boys. Um, and so there, there's, there's less preening among the boys. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, they're more real with each other. They're more who they are. Mm -hmm, sure. Um, and so it's, it's driven by the fact that it's all boys and it's all boarding, right? You know, there are no day students, so they're all in it together. It's shoulder to shoulder mm -hmm. and elbow to elbow. It's not like there's a crew that goes home when the, at the end right. of the day or goes home much on weekends. I mean, they're just in it. And then the location. Mm -hmm. The location uh, was, is quite rural. Mm -hmm. uh, Tom mentioned Orange. Uh, it's not in Orange. It's in Madison County, not even in the thriving metropolis of Orange. It's in Madison County. So it's pretty far removed. Uber doesn't make its way, thank God, to, to Woodbury. <laughs> um, and that, that basically means that we're there together. Mm -hmm. And um, they just get to know each other really, really well, Woodbury boys do. And a few things that I've, I've noticed over my years is that Woodbury boys, they don't like it when somebody's trying to fake it in front of them. Mm -hmm. And they will get on you mercilessly if you're trying to fake it and be somebody you're not. Mm -hmm. I learned this. Uh, I, I see it all the time. I experienced it myself. And what I saw when I was a boy, I, re I saw it again when I was on the faculty in the late 90s. But one of my... One of, one of the most current manifestations of it. My son graduated a year ago in the class of 2022 when he was a ninth grader, a new boy. He lived on dorm like all boys do. And um, a big group of guys was in Turner Hall, which is a dormitory. And they were all sitting around watching football one Saturday afternoon. And it was in, in pretty late September. So it was about a month after school started. Mm -hmm. These were all ninth grade kids. And uh, one of the boys was, was, was uh, uh, noticing or brought everybody's attention to the fact that there was a hurricane off in the Atlantic that was coming on shore. And he said, and it was like a day or two away, and, and the, you know, they, they occasionally during the game pivot to the weather map and show this big hurricane coming. And this, this guy said to the assembled crowd of guys, his, his classmates, he said, my family and I are really worried about our coastal properties. Mm. <laughs> and uh, everybody kind of looked at him. And um, anyway, that didn't say much. But at, at halftime, some enterprising Woodbury boy uh, started up a collection of quarters <laughs> that they ceremoniously gave to this guy to help with the restoration of the boy's coastal, coastal properties, properties. Once the uh, yeah. Yeah. once the uh, hurricane had finally kind of cleared out, 
And I thought that, you know, the school's in good shape. Right. The school. Yeah, yeah. He's going to take it into his own hands. Yeah, yeah. And these are ninth grade new boys. And they've already figured out that nobody at Woodbury really gives a rip about your coastal properties. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they don't know. At Woodbury, we don't know um, really where each other comes from. Mm -hmm. You know, like. You're no one, no one's driving on campus. And so they don't really see your car. Yeah. They don't really know what kind of house you live in mm -hmm. unless you're from the same town. Yeah. They don't know who your parents are. They don't know really who's got money and who doesn't have much money. 48% mm -hmm. of the, of the student body right now is on, on tuition assistance, but no one really knows who right. they are. And, and that's liberating for boys, especially that age, 14 to 18 sure. or 15 to 19 to just kind of be, um, liberated to be who they are mm -hmm. and not try to fake it because again if you try to fake it 24 7 in that kind of environment it's going to wear you down mm -hmm. yeah. and i think that's one of the things that at woodbury that um i really appreciate about the school is that you really get to know each other so stock to your point there about um boys who, who come together in a class even when they have, might have different interests mm -hmm. They've lived together. Sure. They've they've just they've just know each other. They've seen each other's best and they've seen each other's worst. Absolutely. And they um they come over a period of time, doesn't happen immediately, but they come over a period of time to really generally appreciate each other mm -hmm. and care for each other. Mm -hmm. And that bond is 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 pretty tight. Well, that's cool. How big is the like uh, the, uh, by grade? Yeah, so, so there are four hundred boys. Four hundred total. And generally, you, you, we want to start with a class of about eighty to eighty-five uh, freshmen, add thirty or so sophomores, and then generally graduate a class of a hundred. Got it. And have, have you seen? So you've been there as a as a headmaster. I know obviously you're a student, and then a, on the faculty. Yeah. In the past ten years, almost yeah. ten years, um, what kind of changes have yeah. you seen? Not not in the facilities, or, right? But, but in the young men that yeah. you see. That's a a, a great question. Um, I, first of all, I, I see much more that's continuous and you know consistent than I do. A whole lot of changes but there definitely are some things that i would i would mention um i think from my perspective we're now much more explicit about coaching boys to be honest about how they feel mm -hmm. um like every other educator that i know we collectively are anxious about levels of anxiety and depression right. among yeah. young people and that definitely has my attention. And um, generally, Woodbury boys are happy and positive, but sometimes that masks, you know, some sure. some anxiety that they need to learn how to deal with. Mm -hmm. And especially for a boy who's at those tender ages, he's trying to come to grips with the, the emotional life that he really can't describe accurately. Sure. And um, you know, he knows boredom and he knows anger, um, but that's just a really, really general kind of description of how he might be feeling. It could be any, you know, just a, the, as you know, the emotional life is so wide ranging and the ability to kind of locate it and identify it and come to understand it is a really important part of what it means to, to be healthy emotionally. And so I think we've 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 worked really hard on helping boys learn how to to be kinder to themselves mm -hmm. and also to be uh, more committed to, to taking care of each other 
And um, I think that's been, from my vantage point, a really positive development in, in the culture because to me, part of what it means to be a good man is to learn how to ask for help mm-hmm. when you need it and learn how to give it when it's needed. Mm-hmm. Do you have counselors? We do. On ca- on yeah, we have um, two uh, full-time counselors, um, and they are fantastic. Mm-hmm. And another associated change is that boys are less and less reluctant to go. Mm-hmm. There's less and less of a stigma about raising a hand and saying, you know what, I don't feel right. Mm-hmm. Or I'm, I'm really having a hard time dealing with whatever sure. it might be. Um, a girlfriend breaking up with them or you know, uh, divorce at home or, um, someone being sick in your Mm -hmm, family mm -hmm. or something along any, any bit of life that gets in the way that they're having a hard time, uh, dealing with, um, in addition just to the the anxieties of, of, um, of being in a demanding academic environment. Mm -hmm. Um, all that I think, uh, is, is real. Um, and, trying to coach the boys into managing that effectively so that they know how to raise a hand and, and how to give a hand is, mm-hmm. is I think, a, a really important part of the, the culture that I'm um, in trying to encourage uh, at Woodbury. Huge life lessons. Huge. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, just the, the time management. Oh, yeah. My gosh. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, you know, like uh, the Woodbury schedule is, is, is pretty demanding. You know, the study hall six nights a week. Um, I, 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 I say to, to families and to prospective students, you know, Friday night study hall is not natural. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, the vast majority of people around the world are not in study hall on Friday night, but we are. Yeah. And Saturday morning classes are not natural, but that's the way we roll. And, um, it's it's doesn't feel natural to start, but it becomes more rhythmic and mm-hmm. more routinized. Mm-hmm. And then, when 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 a, when a boy embraces that, he's far better positioned to be an effective time manager mm-hmm. for himself. And and that's a big part of being away at a school, especially a school like like Woodbury. And when we believe strongly in that Friday night study hall and and the Saturday classes, even when a lot of even boarding schools have gone away from that. We, we think it's important. Um, I, I believe it's important. You, you all may know that our, our big, uh, football rivalry mm-hmm. at the end of the seasons with Episcopal high school. Um, it's a wonderful rivalry. We love the game. We have a big bonfire the night before at Woodbury. It's really important to me that our boys are in class that morning. Mm-hmm because it gives, sends us all the message that even on the day of the biggest game of the year, there's something else going on too. And that life is bigger than just a game. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I, I I don't expect the boys to, uh, celebrate that on a Saturday morning, but I hope that over the course of their lifetimes, they come to appreciate that and, and, and kind of understand it and, and put things in, in perspective that way. What's uh, what's a couple of the best parts of your job? And, and on the other side, what keeps you up at night? Yeah. Um, I can imagine what keeps you up at night. But. <laughs> well, the best parts of my job are just being in a place that for me was so formative. Um, you know, that's where I feel like that's where I grew up. That's where I, um, 
I've never before I had before I got to Woodbury, I had never before felt so important. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, so small. And the juxtaposition of that, of like knowing that I was just a little piece of something that was so much bigger than I would ever be right. was really powerful for me. Yeah. And I felt like I mattered to people. And, and that combination is something that I've just never, to be candid, I've never really found it in that kind of, with that kind of velocity and with that kind of um, energy anywhere else. And so just being at Woodbury in the role that I have, or even when I was a teacher and a coach and, and college counseling back in the late nineties, I mean, it, for me, uh, that's just fun and that's just meaningful. And it, 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 it gives me juice to, to be in a place like that, that has that kind of me- personal meaning for me is such an emotional place. Um, beyond that, cause that's kind of gauzy, that's kind of, you know, a, li- a little bit, uh, maybe hard to under for others to understand, but the things that give me a great deal of joy, I, I teach one class okay. and I really, I, I love is it, that. Is it history? It's honors American history to okay. sophomores. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoy that. I enjoy getting to know the boys in that environment and having them get to know me, mm-hmm. um, I, 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 like, I like to be kind of connected to the academic uh, schedule in that mm-hmm. kind of manner. Um, I'd, I'd say just generally watching the boys grow up and remembering how like really, really clueless they were when they came in as ninth graders and watching them sure. graduate with what I was just describing is that earned mm-hmm. confidence mm-hmm. and um, I also, one of the things I really like in, in, in the uh, wintertime, every year I visit with the senior class in small groups of four. I do it every year. And I ask them the same four questions. I ask, what do you value most about your Woodbury education? What would you do differently if you had to do it all over again? Who have your best teachers and coaches been and who have your worst teachers and coaches been? Mm-hmm. And that feedback, that kind of... Um, sure uh opportunity to hear the boys talk about their experiences they kind of reflect on it mm-hmm. is super meaningful to me and very helpful to me trying to to lead the school sure. and have my finger on the pulse of what it feels like to go to Woodbury. The older I get, the further removed I am from that experience. And mm-hmm. so intentionally making an effort to get closer to that experience at certain times. Um, without being too intrusive, you know, I, I don't want to be a creeper. Right, right. Um, nobody wants that out of a headmaster or a teacher <laughs> or a coach. I don't but, think the word creeper and Dr. Holy go together. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate that, that confidence, <laughs> Tom. But, but, you know, just trying to, as appropriate, connect myself to the experiences sure. of the boys, that's, that's what gives me the most energy. I'll uh, say a couple of other things like hiring great people mm-hmm. and watching them go, you know, um, just turning them loose and then watching the way they flourish at Woodbury and uh, grow personally and professionally. That's very meaningful. I, I, I love it when um, uh, a Woodbury um, member of our team uh, goes to another school and uh, serves as a head of school. Um, yeah. I think that's, I hate to lose those folks in the moment, but when I look back on what they've contributed and what Woodbury is doing for other places, that's 
important to me sure. and meaningful. Yeah. So just the every, everything I can do to be connected to the humanity of the place, that gives me energy. And I love that. Uh, what keeps me up at night, and this is maybe something that, I, that I, one way for me to think about it. I, I love everything about Woodbury that um, is connected to Woodbury as a community. What I find challenging to deal with, which won't surprise you, is everything that's expected out of Woodbury as an institution. So there's explain a, that. So and 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 there's a difference, you know. To me, an institution has responsibilities that include really important stuff like HR mm -hmm. and employee handbooks mm -hmm. and Got it. processes for dealing with just the, the the legalese and the litigious nature of, of the world today and us making sure that our bases are covered and that we're doing things the right way, the, pro, the nuts and bolts of, mm -hmm. of making sure that we're doing things at the highest possible level. Um, frankly, I don't get a ton of energy out of that, mm -hmm. especially when, as is always the case in a human community, you got something you got to deal with and you got to fall back on those kind of institutional mm -hmm. standards and practices, which fuel in many cases really devoid for, from or, or separate from the, the humanity and the, and the, and the kind of um, values that, that I think um, are, are so important to a thriving place for a boy to grow up. So listening to you talk here, and growing up with an Episcopal minister as a father. Yeah. And listening to you talk about the, I don't know, for lack of a better phrase, more humanistic qualities of the boarding school versus yeah. the, the business side of the boarding right. school. Do you think that um, that inherently made a difference for you in regard to relationships, um, human development, that that part growing up with a father as an Episcopal minister? Yeah, that, I, I'm certain that um, my mother, but especially my father, my mother too, though, and I, I could talk a lot about her um, and certainly don't want to, to uh, o overlook her importance in my own life um, and my sister's life. But my father for me was um, just an incredible model of what it meant to be a servant leader mm -hmm. and to um go where the pain is so dad was you know I, I just have all these memories of him as a kid who um you know watched his father just as i said go where the pain is mm -hmm. and and what he would do i mean he we, we would he would hear about somebody who was in some kind of distress and just call him or go go see him and um you know, I learned through that, that you don't wait for a better time or a more convenient time. Mm -hmm. You just, you just go. And sometimes you just sit there yeah. and there's nothing to say. And you just give, give a boy a hug, mm -hmm. um, or a fist bump. Uh, you just, you're just a presence there. Um, so yeah, he, he, as a pastor, I mean, there's, an, there's a pastoral responsibility that comes sure. with being a headmaster or there should be, I should say that. Um, in my opinion, there should be a pastoral responsibility that comes along with that. And dad taught me to embrace that as a way of 
not only serving other people, but also serving myself. I saw how much he gained from mm -hmm. everything that he did, how much better his life was because mm -hmm. he was in the arena with people who were, were, um, were suffering mm -hmm. and sometimes people who were celebrating. Um, that was a massive, massive example for me. That's a rich life. Yeah. I, 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 his life was incredibly rich and, um, I, 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 my life is plenty rich. That is for sure. I, I do not lack for, uh, things to be excited about and things to, um, energize me. I wish our listeners could see the smile <laughs> on his face right now, Myron's yeah. face while he's talking about that. <laughs> well, I also wanted to mention Tom, yes. Like what gives me energy when I was a uh, head of a, a K-12 day school when I was, it was schools, grade schools called Randolph in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, when I was having a bad day there, I would go hang out with the kindergartners mm -hmm. and they'd run up and <laughs> kind of hug you. And it was just, it was awesome. Well, there are no kindergartners at, at Woodbury. So when I'm having a bad day at Woodbury, um, it usually helps me to hang out with Woodbury alumni. Mm -hmm. Because the Woodbury alumni love the school mm -hmm. and they give me a ton of energy on that end. And you've got some Woodbury alumni that work there. We do. Yeah. We have a number of, of Woodbury alumni who, who work there, but just the opportunity to, to see Woodbury alumni both at, at school, but also to travel mm -hmm. and, and hang out with them um, in, in their own hometowns. That, that's a generally a, a great joy for me. The other things that are hard about the job, I mean, you, we've already kind of talked about the, um, the mental health challenges that young people mm -hmm. and faculty and staff mm -hmm. sure. And my team, um, anybody and everybody is, is, are dealing with it. Those are, those, those can be depleting. Um, and I guess, you know, from on a, on a, on a specific level, it's always really, really taxing and hard to, um, uh, call a boy's parents and tell them that he's, their, their son has to come home, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, when he may have committed an honor offense or used alcohol or drugs on campus. And we have a single sanction. It's, it's, uh, many schools would say it's way too strict. Um, we continue to, to practice it and embrace it at Woodbury because we believe that boys really appreciate the clarity mm -hmm. that they know where the line is and that it's not fuzzy to them. Mm -hmm. and, and that helps them feel like they're being treated fairly and that all boys are equal but it does feel severe when we have to part ways with a boy and that that's just always painful and, and depleting. I'm sure it is. Absolutely. Or there, Byron, are there, just to boil it down, um, are there three things that you hope every Woodbury boy walks away with? I mean, I know you've got your mission and you've got, yeah. you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on. But if, if you, if I said to you, you can only tell these, you can only hope for three things for these boys, these young men to walk out of here with, these are the three things. Yeah. So just to uh, elaborate on five, that a little bit, things. doesn't need to be five. Yeah. Um, we, we tell the parents um, as they're dropping their sons off and repeat it often to ourselves as a faculty that our first responsibility and our, our most aspirational goal is that every boy in our care will be known, challenged and loved. And um, we tell the parents and the boys that it's much easier to know, challenge, and love you if you want to be known, challenged, mm -hmm. and loved. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's really big for us on the faculty side. So I'd say that if a Woodbury 
member of the faculty leaves to go to another school or retires, I hope he or she would remember that known challenge and love that that is the essence of, of great teaching and coaching. Um, on the boys' side, for us, in return, what we expect of them is that they learn how to work hard, to build your character, and to take care of each other. That those are some foundational elements of what it means to be a good man. A good man is committed to hard work. Um, a good man is always trying to build his character and to understand what it means to live a life of integrity. That that's never that work's never done. Uh, that, that every day you're going to have an opportunity to, to demonstrate that character and build it in some way. So work hard, build your character. And then the last one is take care of, of each other. And we've already kind of touched on that. Um, so I hope those are the three things that a boy would, would walk away from. If you boiled it down to just one, I think the school exists to graduate young men who know how to take responsibility for their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's essential to being a good man or a good woman is to learn how to take responsibility for your life. And um, so I, I, I would boil it as, as much down to that as I would anything else. Um, so aside from Woodbury, yeah, you in particular. Yeah. So you're Jefferson Scholar, history major, get your master's and PhD in history. I guess you've got a natural love for learning, but obviously a natural love for history. Yeah. American history, what? American political history in particular. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the American history is really, really energizing for me. Mm-hmm. It always has been, but especially is now because I've, I, I've, I understand it to be and, and believe it to be just incredibly important to helping us understand the challenges and opportunities that are in front of us right now. So, yeah, so the opportunity, again, to be part of that um, as a teacher and a learner with the boys mm-hmm. um, is terrific. And if you weren't a headmaster, yeah. a teacher, what do you think you would do? Wow. That's why, did you read my questions? <laughs> no. <laughs> did you have right, that question? Right here. Yes. <laughs> if you weren't, well, I mean, my words were, if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? Good question. Yours is better. Great but, minds think alike. Well, yours is better. Well, <laughs> put mine is. Sorry. Yeah, I don't, it's a, a really good question, and, and I don't know. I mean, I've never done anything other than the world of, of education. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the big pivot point was trying to decide, was that going to be higher ed or secondary school? Um, what would I do without, uh, you know, if I, if I weren't uh, involved in that? Um, you know, as a boy, I loved baseball and I thought that I could, I knew I wasn't good enough to play at a high level, but I would love to work in a front office mm-hmm. of, a, of a baseball team, a major league baseball team. Uh, that, that dream evaporated pretty quickly. Um, I, I think that I would somehow, I would not be involved in the world of politics. I gave that a little bit of, of thought kind of on the, on the very, very front end as I thought about what kind of graduate school to go to. And mm-hmm. I just did not energize me. Um, I'd probably be somehow, because it's in the family blood, some kind of, uh, I don't know that I'd be a priest, but I would be some kind of caregiver in terms of, of mental and psychological mm-hmm. support and Got it. help. To the, to the Woodbury parents out there who may be listening, he's not going anywhere. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> we're, not, we're not trying to no, put I've, ideas in his head. I've, yeah. I've no interest in going anywhere. And, uh, you said political history. Do you yeah. have a favorite 
segment in America? Yeah, my uh, my my uh, PhD concentration was kind of post World War II American political history. So, oh my gosh, r- roughly like LBJ. Yeah, 1950 to 1970, and and I did a lot of Johnson because uh, I was getting I was getting my degree at the University of Texas in Austin, where his library is. Have you ever heard the Johnson Hager Slacks? Oh yeah, recording. I've I've, I've, I've I've, I've spent a lot of time with the Johnson tapes for sure. And there, I mean, that, that guy was, uh, he was something else. fully human, totally fully human, yeah. but masterful in the Senate. Yeah. And, uh, he, he, he had a lot of success. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Stock is a big history guy besides being, love poetry. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he loves history as well. Yeah, I really do. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big history guy. Not the poetry part, but yeah. <laughs> Ixie, what are you? What's that? What what's your what's your study? What do you like? Uh, I'm just trying to keep you under control <laughs> and keep you focused <laughs> in front of our esteemed guests. I, you know, I think it's fabulous. I love hearing about this. Uh, I love hearing what's going on. I love hearing about you being at Woodbury. I love you. You wrote a book as well. I did. Yeah. And that was on a guy named Everett Dirksen. Everett Dirksen was the minority leader of the Republican Senate. Um and and the book is about his kind of a political biography uh he was uh, uh in the republican center from like 1950 to 1970 from uh illinois and mm-hmm. so the book is about um dirksen's relationships with four presidents the four presidents under whom he served truman eisenhower kennedy and lbj oh wow and uh so it's a lot of civil rights it's a lot of vietnam um it's a lot of joe mccarthy it's you- a- this is a loaded question. Yeah. This is the hardest question I'm going to give you all day. Yeah, that's okay. Do you have a favorite president? Oh, I definitely do. Who is that? Lincoln, for sure. Oh, you can't go back to Lincoln. You, got, I'm talking about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. In the 20th century, yeah. a favorite 20th century president would definitely. Well, I'd say definitely uh, FDR and, oh, yeah. and Eisenhower would okay. be my two Fantastic. I just got finished reading an Eisenhower you did? Uh, biography. Yeah, yeah. Very, yeah. very, very good. Yeah, um, I, I've spent a lot of time researching this book and a lot of, you know, a good bit of time in Abilene, Kansas, where his library mm-hmm. is. Yeah, I, it's a it's a nice place to visit if it doesn't need to be too long. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Are you writing another book? No. Yeah, yeah. Are you plans to? I don't. I don't have any plans to, to write another book. I mean, I, I'm a guess I'm a historian by training, and in the amount of time that it takes oh, to research. Yeah. Um, and you know, much less write is just is sure. more than I can handle. I, I do, I do have a blog that I enjoy um, contributing to on occasion and um, promote it. I yeah, it well, it's called What Matters Most, and it's on the Woodbury website um, under leadership. And uh, I, I, I like to, I mean, I enjoy populating that on occasion. Um, some of it's full of. Some of it is is the sermons that I've I've given yeah. at Woodbury, and um, so I, I I do enjoy writing mostly because I'm I feel like I'm writing for myself mm-hmm. as much as I'm writing for anybody else, um, and so yeah I, I enjoy the, my blog, but a, a, a book like project would be a little overwhelming. Yeah, and you have two children. I have two children, um, a son Ben who is. Interestingly, a rising sophomore at Washington and Lee, uh, where my yeah. dad wanted me to go, and then mm-hmm. I just wouldn't look. Mm-hmm. So I know my dad, and and somewhere out there is is really happy that someone <laughs> in his family listened to him. Um, and my daughter uh, Claire is a rising tenth grader at St Andrews in Delaware. Oh, fabulous school! Yeah, it's a great, it's a great school. She loves it. So, 
Fantastic. Good stuff. Well, Byron, thank you uh, for taking the time to come down here and talk to uh, Stock and I. It was great stuff. And Can I give you one thing? Uh, uh, and it needs to need to be, even be recording, but I just want to just please, say one other please, thing that please. may be Absolutely. of interest to you. Um, I share with you, Lincoln is my favorite president. In 1838, he said, um, as a nation of free men, mm -hmm. we will live forever or die by suicide. And I think about that all the time. Mm -hmm. um, how can we graduate young men who will contribute to life in a democratic republic mm -hmm. that I hope will live forever? And I also think about some of what I see in the world today, which looks to me to be like a really um, unfortunate, unhelpful, unhealthy acts and practices that remind me of uh, what it might have, what, what Lincoln might have referred to as death by suicide. I was talking to a, a, a um, for a democratic republic, I was visiting with, with someone not long ago who reported to me that um, a school in Virginia, uh, that football coaches are escorted off the field ah. by the police to get to their cars mm -hmm. and then to the field house where the school is and then make sure that they're on their way safely from from the field house home mm -hmm. and you wonder why there's like a teacher shortage in the yeah. country yeah yeah when or, or just the way i've seen like officials treated when they're just trying to call a game and then hearing that there's an, a ref shortage mm -hmm. In the country, it's like, well, there's, it's obvious yeah, why, why, why there is. And not only are your words profound from what Lincoln said, but Lincoln's humanity is what appeals to me. Yeah. Me if too. you take a look at how many uh, uh, elections or uh, he ran, how many times he ran and, and was lost. defeated, yeah. you take a look at the fact that he dealt with depression yeah. for much of his life. You take a look Severe at the fact depression. that he lost a child. Two he, children. Yeah. You take a look at the fact that he had a original love of his life that he lost. Um, you look, take a look at the fact of a divided country that he was managing at the time. His humanity that he had while still maintaining a sense of decorum and a sense of faith about the human, regardless of what side you were on yeah. in the country, is unbelievable to yeah. me. And to keep moving forward. Yeah. Well, this in the second inaugural is is the maybe the quintessential expression of 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 that humanity. Yes. And that empathy for all Americans, North and South. Yes. And um, just a model for all of us if we're paying attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to say this has been wonderful. I think that the faculty and that the young men at Woodbury um, should be honored to have someone that has an idea not only about the X's and O's of education, but about the spirit uh, that they have there at the school and it's their spirit being watched after. And um, I can't thank you enough for coming and, and, and meeting with us today. And Tommy, I can't thank you enough for getting Byron to come here and talk with us today. I threatened him with, uh, I was going to tell some stories about him. <laughs> <laughs> so he, yeah. he had to, he had to do it. He had to do it. He had, he had to do it. Well, I'm glad he did. Thank well, you Tom, very much. Tom, I know how creative you are, and I wouldn't want you doing that, <laughs> embellishing anything that you might have <laughs> seen back in those days. So I'm happy to be here. It wasn't anything to see. Not, <laughs> not one, not one thing. The, 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 the stock, unbelievable. 
ending right there that I couldn't say it better, just besides the fact that the, the Woodbury parents and the faculty and the kids are lucky to have you. And, well, and you're in a great, you're in a great spot. You're, you're very kind. I feel very lucky to be there and standing on the shoulders of a lot of people who came before me. Sure. Very good. Absolutely. Thanks, Byron. You're Thank welcome. You. Authentic Conversations with Stock and Hicksy is broadcast for the world from Charlottesville, Virginia by Tom Hicks and Rob Stockhausen. Please like, follow, and share if you have enjoyed this conversation. Have an authentic day.